Shall we begin? Let's begin now. On this week's No Account for Taste, we're talking the job support scheme, support for musicians, and meditation. Hello, I'm Richard Hattersley, and welcome to the Accountant Web podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Accountant Web's Editor-in-Chief, John Stockdyke. Hi, John. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having you. Keep getting me back, so thanks very much. And, we're, and in Accountant's Corner today, we're joined by another John. We're delighted to welcome to the show John Frogger, the founder of the Accountancy Practice. Hi, John. Hello. Thanks, thanks for inviting me uh, onto your show. I'm sure it'll be the last time as well, but anyway, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Well, well, John, congratulations. We must start by congratulating you because the accountancy practice is a finalist at our Accountant Excellence Award in the, the, the Small Practice of the Year Award. Yes. So congratulations on that. That's uh, a big achievement, uh, especially when compared to the, the, the beginnings of the film, because as I understand, it was very much starting your garage with your telephone sort of deal. That's exactly what it was. I was, um, well, for reasons I won't go into, and they're not bad, I was uh, um, I left my uh, my employers um, and uh, I was left with a check for about two hundred quid and three or four children at the time I think to feed and I've always wanted to go on my own but never had the guts to do it as I'm sure many of your listeners will uh, uh, sympathise with and sometimes we're forced into circumstances that you know we have to do these things and we went for it and uh, the garage was uh, tidied up the phone was dragged in there and I started hitting the phones and got some clients and. The rest is, I mean, I made loads of mistakes on the way, make no mistake about that. Um, I remember sitting with my first set of accounts, which obviously in those days was typed and you know, word processed and not quite as it is now. And it took me 24 hours before I sent them into the revenue in case there was a mistake. Um, but those were in the good old days when you could speak to inspectors and you know, knock on their doors and everything was sweet and happy. Uh, so yes, it was a, it's been a long slog, but I'm pleased to say two sons and now taking over and doing a grand job. Excellent. Yeah, of course. You're, it's become a proper family business now with your, your sons yeah. uh, um, ready to uh, take over as well. Well, they're almost there. I mean, David runs the firm anyway. Um, I kind of do the things that I enjoy, which is the um, you know, video of clients, which we're trying to do, and other, other various online things. Um, so it's, uh, for me, in my life's... Um, yeah. I was going to say almost perfect, but I'm obviously doing this podcast. <laughs> but it's it, it, it's pretty much we're pretty much um, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good. John, John, you you you're, you're quite a high growth firm now, from especially from the beginnings you mentioned. You know, go from the yeah. garage. It's it's like you know hundreds and hundreds of clients. Not not a thousand yet, but you're on your way towards a thousand. Well, we must be near it because I also acquired a practice last year, um, which I have to say just as well because the guy lived in the dark ages. Um, very much uh, not technologically uh, at all. There was no tech in his business. So we're getting, we're, we're there, we're growing. Obviously, COVID had a, a major impact on us um, insofar as the way we were actually getting business. Um, but then, you know, you have to change and you duck and you dive and, uh, you know, you, you sort of, you go with the punches, don't you? And, and I think with the COVID situation now, things are evolving and things are changing and we're just adapting. Um and we're still growing. Um, you know, part of our, our remit was to be the go-to place in a local town for accountancy, uh, and relying on our websites and our, our personal contacts, and it's still paying dividends. So, yeah. touch wood, uh, we're okay. in the right Could, direction. Because I, I just want to sort of check one of the one of the things that always comes up in this: the, you know, the small practice, especially the small family practice, you know, always have that that kind of edge in client 
relationships and you know you can see it in the results so that if you do satisfaction tests just if you have that close relationship it's really hard to replicate but when you start scaling up to uh you know several you know beyond 500 clients and more yeah. and bring in another practice with a whole new set of clients yeah. how do you you know what's your secret for maintaining kind of consistency and quality service and keeping the relationship strong with much broader base yeah it's interesting because uh, obviously being a self practitioner for a long time and my, my personal connection with some of my clients has been quite um, very involved and you know well, is John there is John there is John there that constant they want to talk to me all the time and that's really over a period of 12 months I've kind of um, turned people away from that and got them to talk to David got them to deal with David um, and got them to deal with Adam as well on the basis I'm still sort of lurking around um, so uh, I think that it's it's a mindset it's a mindset and certainly now with the way things have changed and most of it's online I mean some clients you don't even meet um, and no one's really missed me I'm upset to say I, I still see people that I call them my, my hardcore sort of 30 clients that still like to know I'm there and will, and will always phone me despite the fact I can't help them I have to return them you know throw them back to David um, it's a learning process it's you know it's an ego thing as well I haven't got any ego about it anymore I'm very happy to for David to deal with some of the larger ones that used to deal with me and in fairness you know, David is, I shouldn't say this, I know we have to do a CBD, but David's very current, he's, he's doing his tax, and, and so he's, he's in a better position than perhaps I am. Um, but then that's changing again because of COVID, because building in resilience into businesses, a whole new dynamics opened up within the practice that I'm quite keen to take on and run with, really. So it's it's been hard, but it's not too bad. And so it's interesting, the sort of the COVID scenarios sort of almost helped to accelerate the, you know, the working from home and working remotely with clients has kind of taken them a step of the part of the way through the transition you're, you're maybe needing to do to get that that expanded service level. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's just we've had to go with the uh, with the flow of COVID, and I think COVID has, has certainly sorted out some of the you know the the, um, the men from the boys, and um, I think the resilience that we build into the practice has, has paid dividends. Um, we certainly are nimble and light enough. To be able to adapt, uh, which some firms have not been able to do, um, or if they're doing it, they're doing it very well. So I think going forward, I think technology is key, being nimble and being resilient within the business, um, and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to get my businesses, oh, sorry, my clients' businesses to now become. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Richard, I'm sorry, that was a little brief hijack there on behalf of the Accounting Excellence Awards, uh, a sneak sorry. preview from one of the finalists, but uh, just it was, it was too good a missed opportunity to miss. So thanks, John, for your insights. And back no to you, Richard, to get us get this show back on track. Well, John, John Froggart, you mentioned there about coronavirus, and that brings us nicely on to uh, the headlines as we always uh, tackle every episode on No Account for Taste. And as the previous episodes there should be no surprises as to what the big headlines are going to be. It's all dominated by the coronavirus support schemes. Um, since we last recorded, our dear Chancellor uh, stood up again and announced several more schemes before us to talk about today. And the first one being the fifth most read story on the site was the fresh new guidance around the self-employed income support scheme grant. So um, the grant will be open for two further um, payable um, uh, grants in the next six months, the first of which will be set at 40% of average profits. Um, 
John Froggart with the um, increased um, threat of these different tiers around the different around the country. It, it feels as if this is just um, an, an obvious uh, a choice for the chancellor then to just extend this further because self-employed yeah. businesses are going to be hurting during this time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a it's a move as chancellor's had to do something. Um, obviously, it's it's not as uh, generous as previous, so maybe they know something that we don't know. Um, but it's it's a help, um, and anything in these trying times is going to be a help for anybody. Um, so you know, you, you, the, the thing with all of this, Richard, is it's 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 such a, a it, it, every week, every day brings something new, and um, I think it's um, good that the government is supporting uh, as much as they can for small businesses. I worry about the overall cost of all of this. But then again, you know what? I think the world's changing. So um, we have to be a little bit more, um, I know, a, a governance of, of how we how we look after people in the country has to change. This is a start. There are people that have fallen through the net. You know what? We've just got to go with what we've got and, and there's not much we can do. Um, but it, it's better than obviously receiving nothing, but it's not as good as 80%. What can you do? Um, it's going to crop up again, I think, in our top five for the week. But um, there was a sense of, of, again, I think I used the phrase last time, you know, it's, it's the same message I was saying last time, you know, real anguish. I think we were lining up for the announcements uh, at the last podcast. But but the sort of weight on the shoulders of accounts of more guidance and another scheme to calculate and compare and compute, um, it is, you know, the... the it, it is palpable the burden it's placing on accountants at this point, and you know they are they are getting close to burnout at a at a pretty low point in the year, and I do think the, you know, put something out there, let's tweak it again, let's tweak it again, let's replace it and update it and do a new one. This is proving, you know, I think people are still falling through the cracks. I I I, I have said it before. I you know I have my own little bugbears about this, but I do think I do think it, you know. It, the gears are beginning to sort of scrape and and grumble and scratch. So so I am concerned about you know the next because we will get another one before too long. So you know what will happen well, then? You know in the middle of January, no doubt, just when every accountant is right and ready to to cope. Well, both Johns, you, you both mentioned there about people falling through the cracks, and I don't think there's anyone any other um, industry which has really suffered this than. Um, the creative arts industry, and especially musicians. Yeah. And John Frogger, I know this is a topic really close to your heart because when you take off that Batman mask of being an accountant, there is underneath it Joe Rose, the singer. So this is very much a, a topic close to your heart, isn't it? Yeah, uh, we actually deal with quite a few um, musicians, um, mainly session musicians. Uh, I've also got a music venue. And um, in fairness... Um, the music venue, which is quite a good example, they've actually just received a grant from the Arts Council for something in excess of uh, £200,000 to keep their business going. So uh, because they're bringing in new talent, they're bringing in musicians and also education, uh, you know, new, the, the sound engineers of the future. Um, but the, the musicians are still not getting uh, the... I mean, I, I know guys that were going out three, four times a week singing in gigs. 
and, and whilst at a certain level you don't get a fortune, you get enough to, you know, keep body and soul together, pay a little bit of tax and carry on. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's one of the vocations, um, and, and it was all very well for our lovely Chancellor to say retrain, and I know he retracted that, which is fine. Um, but, you know, it's, it's an art. We need the arts. We've still got to have the arts. We still need people where we can go and listen to them sing and do they and do what they do. Entertainment of old people and old people's own. Yeah, it extends a long way. Um, and it's something that we need. And it, it's a shame. But I think to think that the government perhaps it's doing some things that it can do um, as best it can do. And... Um, you know, this this you know, keep mentioning the, the the dreaded C word, um, but we are in changing times, and it will decimate an industry. But I hope that eventually it will come back, and that these guys will get their gigs that they want, and they 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 need they deserve, um, and we can bring some music and some relief back to people um, that enjoy these things. I mean, I used to go to gigs two three times a week. Um, I love listening to creative music, people that sing and people that write their own stuff. It's a talent. It's a talent we mustn't lose. Um, but it's nice to see that certainly for this particular uh, company, the Sound Lounge, um, they, they received this grant. It's not an, it's not going to keep them uh, body and soul together forever, but it's on a review. Um, but hopefully get some more entertainment back in there. Obviously, numbers are reduced uh, of people they can actually take into the building. But at least it's a start. So, you know, we mustn't lose sight that this is an important part of our, our, our heritage, almost. Um, it's part of our life, and everybody likes live music. Um, so hopefully um, it, it, we've got this evolving situation. We've just got to see how it goes. Um, you know, and I guess also you can't, you can't do everything that you want to do for everybody. Uh, I still worry about what this is going to cost us in terms of taxation in a, few, in a year's time or whatever it may be. But you know what? As I keep saying, and I'm going to say it again, the times are changing. The new normal's here. So uh, we have to make do as best we can. So, John Frogger, what, what sort of advice are you giving to these um, the, the clients that you have who are musicians and currently are kind of um, struggling throughout this uncertainty? How are you advising them? Well, it goes, but it's almost it's, some of these people are are able to have a lot of these guys have got secondary incomes. In fairness, and gigging is something that's a second. It's a, they may not have great jobs, but they've got secondary incomes. And really, the advice for these people, in fact, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody who was a a um, he's an artist who actually. Um, yeah, he's one of these, uh, what they call these artists that, that, you know, today I'm, you know, Michael Jackson, and then they, well, they call those artists that take on the genres of the so Impersonators or, or impersonators. cover Impersonators. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, so they will do, this I won't mention what he is, but he was earning very, very good money um, being a, a well-known singer, and uh, all of a sudden the income's completely gone. And he's actually already thought that he may have to need to try to, I don't like using the word, but to retrain into something else in case this is going to be something that's going to carry on for a long time. So every circumstance is different. I don't think there is one standard bit of advice for anybody. If it's a passion and you're able to carry on and you're able to sit there and write some songs and, and you know, get a little bit of income from somewhere or maybe you've got enough to live on, then follow your passion because certainly, you know, at the age now of 62, there's a lot of things I wish I had probably done, uh, followed my passion. Um, uh, because we only get one chance, don't we? 
and John Stockdyke's discussion, which has actually been spilled over onto our, our Any Answers forum as well, hasn't it? Indeed, although I think that's more related to the job support scheme, which I think is uh, the other big, you know, so the self-employed grant was one of the talking points of the week, but so is the job support scheme. Uh, this is the, one of our members runs, has, has two music schools on their books who uh, has tr staff on zero hours contracts who, who go around school to teach music lessons. Um, a bit probably probably like some of your side gigs at care homes uh, that work has dried up um so these people um do, you know the usual hours is a little bit difficult to to work out with them but more importantly a lot of them are not actually connected getting through to their um 20 you know they're not going to make the 20 percent threshold to get to qualify for the furlough so there's another a group just falling through the cracks uh, in the net um yeah that's and you know this may have been one of their leading sources of income so so it's uh as i say just seeing that one little microcosm example playing out on accounting web uh i think there's a lot you know that a lot of other industries um where you know you need to know the circumstances but uh, again for the government's you know ingenuity and speed of response um it's it's not reaching everywhere and, and and like you say the sort of working out a viable support mechanism for people in in dire straits is is still to be you know that's still to be conquered and and i certainly don't have the answer for that myself personally but well more on the job support scheme later i don't want to add a spoiler to our most read story but um i'll just say more on that later uh, but the fourth most read story of the past uh, seven days was a piece by neil warren the horrors hidden in import import vat rules was headline so if businesses incorrectly reclaim import vat on goods they don't own they could be in for a nasty surprise as hmrc has clarified its policy on this area so neil goes on to say the brief covers a very practical issue looking at situations where import vat is reclaimed by a vat registered business or organization on goods it does not own this could this should not happen unless the importer is acting as agent for the owner so claims input tax and charges output tax when the goods are resold in the UK. So another hidden surprise there for, for businesses. And I, I'm, I suppose it's going to be, uh, we're going to hear much more on importing and exporting over the next few months as Brexit looms as well. So John Frogger, any sort of um, well, thoughts on this story? Yeah, I, I thought I understood that that's actually going to change as from the end of January or the beginning of January where the, there's going to be a postponement on that element of VAT, uh, I guess mainly because of Brexit. Um, so I'm not sure uh, where the story goes after January. Um, I could be wrong about that. I'm open to uh, someone telling me I am wrong. But well, I John, may, may I direct you to our, to our Brace for Brexit series where, where Neil Warren himself and uh, John Croke are... Um, kind of flagging up the different complications and changes in um, accounting practice and, and VAT reporting that are going to be happening. So I think there was going to be a whole, it's, we're going to go back to postponed accounting. Yeah. So, so I'll yeah. just keep reading those for the next 17 weeks or not. I think, I think we're we'll doing about 15 to 17 articles in about the next 10 weeks. So we'll try and <laughs> try and steer you and the other listeners towards, towards safety on that one. 
uh, yeah, on the, the Brexit question, though, John Frogger, is there any any of your clients who are going to be affected by that, or or, or they don't? Not Brexit? really. No, we, we have a few clients that have some stuff that they obviously you know, have it made in China and it comes into this country. Um, but rather than the Chinese bringing it in and they're selling it on or whatever it may be. So really, I mean, it's a small practice. We're not really heavily affected by that. Um, in fact, I'm thinking, is there anybody? Uh, and there probably isn't. I've just got a nod from my son. There is no one that we, where we import stuff in from China uh, and then it's actually been sold on. So that's an area that, you know, we don't touch. Very interesting. Well, we'll move, move on to our third most read story. And this was a story by Rebecca Cave, the employment allowance dilemma was the headline. So this is a story where employers need to estimate their total class one NIC liability for the 2020-21. And in some cases, correct coronavirus job retention scheme claims without delay. So we've been hearing a lot about, about employment allowance over the last several months with the with the furlough scheme as well. Um, John Frogger, has this been an issue within your practice? Have you had uh, much dilemma around this? Yeah, I mean, we personally know because I'm, I've got someone that does payroll and everything else that goes on the sun, but it's just a case of, I think, one of the problems, it seems to me, with this is that we've got a little bit of um, something I don't like, which is crystal ball accounting. Um, you know, we, we tend to deal with actuals, and it seems to me that this is a particularly, um, there's a load of things that can affect it. Um, and it's again, it's a burden, it's a, it's a, it's a strain. Um, and I, I just feel that, you know, tr trouble is, what can you do? The revenue obviously have reasons why they want to put these things into place or make it more difficult, but we're in a period of radical uncertainty, and it's just something else that can change as you go along. So I'm not really, you know, great to have it, but, you know, the practicalities are another thing. Yeah, you know, sort of one one measure introduced a few years ago to, to sort of help employers kind of has another another two or three schemes layered on top and just the interaction of the payments. And um, I think I think the the advice from Kate Upcraft in her um, you know, any answers live sessions with Richard were to to sort of defer using your employment allowance uh, until the sort of furlough schemes are over. Um, obviously, that, that that may not be <laughs> hold true because if the scheme runs through to the if, if the schemes which will now run through to the um, the full tax year. So yeah, you're going to have to. This is, I guess, where suddenly the, cal the the dilemma kicks in. So how you know you've got to juggle your allowance against your CJRS claim. It, uh, say my, I, I need to go lie down in a darkened room, even thinking about it now. So I uh, <laughs> hence the reason I employ people. That's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just another layer of. I mean, this is layers and layers and layers, isn't it? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the phrase crystal ball accounting, though, John Frogger. That's, uh, that's <laughs> one of my top phrases of the day. Uh, we move now on to the second most read story. This was holiday pay and entitlement. Mm. This is the changes which may impact mm. employers. Mm. And these changes came about um, at the April of this year. So, in this particular article, Samantha Man considers the effect of the changes. To the reference periods for calculating holiday entitlements um, and what that's had on employees. Um, John Frogger, any any thoughts on this story? Yeah, I mean, again, we've got, a, a, you know, it's another layer of uh, things that we have to work out. But if you look at behind the reasons for doing it, I think they're very, uh, they're very good. Um, you know, I think zero hours contracts, which obviously is going to affect um, overtime, right, all sorts of things, seasonal workers. 
it's an important part of the, the new normal where I think employee, employees are becoming, um, they need to be part of the stakeholders in the company. And I think it's probably a, a good move. It's a move in the right direction. It's a pain, but then most new changes are a pain. Um, but then you get, you know, when, when self-assessment first came out, uh, I'm old enough to remember, um, I thought that was an amazing pain. Um, my God, are we ever going to get over this? No. But we get through it and we work it and it's all for the good. So um, I think it's a, it's a good move. Uh, I'm sorry for people that have to work it out, but if you've got a fairly good, robust PAYE department, I'm sure that there isn't really going to be a problem with it. And um, it's all part of this, you know, I think I read somewhere, it may have been on, on the accounting website, the improved transparency. And I think that's a good thing. I think we've arrived at our most read story of the week, and no surprises is, of course, the new job support scheme. So this is the, Rebecca Cave gives us the get the details right overview about what the Chancellor announced. So HMRC finally announced guidance, released the guidance on the operation of the twin job support schemes, which both start on the 1st of November 2020. So we've been waiting for this guidance when it was first announced several weeks back with the uh, start date on the 1st of November. It was just a week to go, the guidance was released. So there's plenty of bedtime reading for many accountants, especially with this twin job support scheme as well. This constant treadmill of guidance from the government has had a knock-on effect on accountants and their wellbeing. It's something that we have seen that's come up on our Any Answers forum. This, this part of the year usually is tracked as a low point for a practitioner with the uh, with self-assessment, the prospects of self-assessment just around the corner. But this, with the coronavirus added on top of this, it's led to um, forum uh, discussions such as um, one headline being, I'm afraid of making mistakes. Another person said, anybody else feels like giving up? Anyone else um, exhausted? These are just um, a few examples of some of the discussions happening on the site. Uh, another reader said, it seems like any time Rishi Sunak opens his mouth, we get put back two weeks in our schedule of work. I estimate we're at least a month behind in our compliance work, and I'm already dreading January. We're seeing a lot of people feeling the strain out there, especially with these announcements every couple of weeks uh, and the added burden that comes with it. And, and John Frogger, I think some advice from you could be uh, well needed for our dear readers and listeners, as we know that you're a a big proponent of meditation. So what could you advise? How, how would you get through some of this, this, this maze of guidance and stress? I find one of the, 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 the stress and one of the biggest, one of the biggest uh, things that carries on is the anxiety. So that we get up in the morning, we do our day's work, we're left at the end of the day, there's still a mountain of things to do, and we're anxious, we go home, we're still thinking about it, we go to bed, we don't sleep, and it's just a vicious circle. And I think that the good thing with the uh, meditation, and I know some of your, your listeners can um, try it out themselves, is that it enables you to let go of the, the day. Um, it enables you to put more in focus the, the day ahead that's coming in the following day. Um, so you don't spend so much time sitting there as we switch our computers on, answer the emails that we've got then worry about what we've got to do then all of a sudden it's lunchtime we think about so we become more focused and I, and I think I'm right in saying that companies like Google um, to name but one actually have early morning meditation sessions um, to get them set for the day um, and then you have to let that go because there's no point being at home um, having got home ready to go to bed and you're still worried about it 
Um, you know, you have to be able to learn to let things go. And meditation is certainly a help on those fronts. So it will gear you up ready for the day. And in the evening, it will allow you to let these things pass. There's something you can do about it if you're sitting at home or you're in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, come to terms with that and just, just, you know, get the rest that you need to take you forward. I mean, what, what does the sort of January outlook, uh, you know, feel like in, in your firm, John? Are you sort of reasonably sort of well well resourced and, and, and in a strong place to, to cope, do you think? And how, how, how have you got to that point? Well, by, by, by taking a gamble on getting my two sons to join the practice um, and, and making sure that they are actually right for the business, which they've turned out they are, and for them to uh, take a lead uh, in planning the work through. So because of technology, I have to say we are an incredibly tech company. Uh, because of technology, we're on top of most of our compliance work and we're certainly ahead of the curve. I hate using that expression. It's so now, isn't it? But we are ahead of the curve in terms of compliance and, and tax returns. Um, it's it's a mindset. I mean, you know, I've been there when clients bring the stuff in on the 31st of January. Um, and you know what? You still get some like that, don't you? But We've, we've kind of trained them over the last few years that this is not where we want to be. Um, and touch wood, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of on top of it. But we're fortunate, you know, there's, we've got a staff that can do that. You're a sole trader, that's not as easy. Um, it's definitely not as easy. Um, but then that's part of your life planning, isn't it? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be still a sole trader in two years' time? Do you need to look at staff? Do you need to be looking at the resilience within your business? All sorts of things. So, um, you know, we're, we're in a good place. Touch wood. <laughs> so John Frogger, before we sign off today, um, our listeners may be intrigued by your meditation and mm. just your, your, your daily routine. So talk us through what that looks like. How, how do you go about doing it and what's the process? Well, I, I've, been, I've been meditating now for some eight to ten years. Um, I started because I was a very uh, angry accountant um, uh, and realised that I was getting nowhere. You know, people who were working for me hated me and it was just not a good place to be. So anyway, I looked at meditation and it's been, a, it's been a, a great thing. And my daily routine is simple. I wake up, I find a place to meditate only for 15, 20 minutes, um, which is just closing the mind and trying to get these thoughts out you know starting getting your mind ready for the day uh and then when i get home from work before i go to sleep i do exactly the same thing 15 20 minutes and i sleep like a log nothing worries me i have to say um I, it's nothing i can do about it if you can't deal with it then don't worry. you know if i think it's two things you do with worry isn't it you either deal with it or don't worry about it so and and i've kind of the uh, mind now where i don't worry you know I, I can't do anything about it three o'clock in the morning so why do i worry about it well, that's some, some good advice there, which I'm sure our listeners will be able to take into their own practice and also help in, uh, in their own client conversations as well. So yeah, I mean, if anyone ever wants to contact me for meditation, please do. No doubt my email's around somewhere. I'm very happy to help them. Well, I, we, we've, we've, we've come to the end of today's podcast anyway, John. So where can we find out a little bit more about the accountancy practice? Uh, the website, www.theaccountancypractice.com. Or if anyone has any, like any more details on meditation, they can contact me directly and my email address is on the website. Uh, and about anything else we may be able to help, you know, practices that are struggling maybe or, or can't quite get a grip, we're very happy to pass on some of the stuff that we've done and obviously uh, seem to be doing reasonably well uh, to them. That's all we've got time for today. For your information on the world of accountancy, please join us, as always, on Accounting Web 
www.ghostbusiness.co.uk. But until next time, I've been Richard Hatterley. Thanks for joining us, and bye for now.